Welcome to Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. What does it take to lead yourself and your teams to high performance with ease? Today, you'll discover simple practices that separate exceptional leaders from the rest. Now, here is your host, Nicole Bendeley. Hi there. Welcome to this episode of Leading on Purpose. I'm Nicole Bendeley. I'm thrilled that you're joining me today. In today's episode, you'll discover what makes great teams work, along with a simple three-step process that you can apply right away with your team to improve and sustain your team's performance. You know, we've all experienced it, the high of a great team-building event that leaves you and your team feeling energized and convinced that Finally, your team has the knowledge and motivation needed to work better together. You're sure that this time it's going to be different, that your team finally gets it and that things will be better. You walk out of that session with great anticipation for the next day. You're positive that your team will hit the ground running with smiles on their faces and new bounce in their steps. Then... Just a few short days or maybe even hours later, the team building hangover hits you. You notice that your team members and maybe even yourself have reverted back to the unproductive behaviors you thought would just magically disappear and you realize that nothing has changed. Team building is like dieting it often results in a yo-yo effect of highs and lows when the team doesn't stick with the prescribed diet. Like failed diets, teams can experience even lower morale and poorer performance following a team-building session. When they discover that the session didn't produce the changes they had all expected it to. And the result is your team members feeling disappointed and frustrated with themselves with their colleagues, and with likely you, their leader. So if your goal is to affect real behavior change and enable improved and and sustained team performance, then I'm here to tell you team building doesn't work. I'm here to tell you to stop team building. And that's coming from me, someone who has built her career on team development. And I'm here to tell you that team building doesn't work that there is no quick fix or single team building event that will address the issues preventing your team from being their very best. If you want your team to perform better, to get along better, to challenge each other and to truly stretch themselves to achieve even better results, it requires work. It requires ongoing commitment from you and every member of your team and consistent commitment over time. But I'm also here to tell you that with the right approach, with that secret sauce, so to speak, it doesn't have to be complicated. Team development doesn't have to be complicated or overwhelming, but it does have to be embedded into your teams every day. So what is that secret sauce? It requires moving away from the event of a team building session. And as I said, intentionally choosing to prioritize team development by embedding it into your team's everyday work. So I'm going to share with you 
three steps to do that. And if you and your team commit to and intentionally apply and stay focused on these three steps, you'll be able to, together with your team members, quickly improve your team's effectiveness, their dynamics, their morale. So we're going to start with the first step. And actually, we're going to spend the bulk of this episode on this first step. You will have completed the first of three steps just by listening and and paying attention um, to this first step, which is get crystal clear on what an exceptional team looks like. This is a critical first step for every leader looking to improve their team's performance. The first step is getting clear on what does high-performance teamwork look like? And leaders often have ideas as to what exceptional teamwork looks like, but very few in my experience know without a doubt those non-negotiable behaviors that need to show up. And without a clear understanding of the non-negotiable practices that must show up every day for improved performance, you and your team will waste time and energy focusing on changing behaviors and adopting new practices that will have little to no effect on your team's performance at the end of the day because they won't be addressing the root causes that are getting in the way of your team tapping the best of themselves. So that's where we're going to start. We're going to start by defining what a high-performance team looks like. Now, a high-performing team is flexible and energized. It stands out in its ability to respond and adapt quickly and with ease to both internal and external changes and pressures. It has the endurance to run a marathon, the high energy for sprints, and the resilience to back to bounce back, right? When bombarded with the unexpected, like this pandemic, for example. But in order to do all those things, in order to run a marathon and a sprint, in order to have the resilience to bounce back, there are certain behaviors and practices that teams who are able to do those things demonstrate consistently. And so what are those practices? And that's a question that my team and I at Canco have been asking and answering for over 30 years now. We've been asking and answering, so what is the difference? What's the difference between teams that achieve exceptional results with ease and those that struggle to keep up? And what we discovered over those 30 years of research and work with teams of all levels of performance is that those teams that consistently perform at their very best demonstrate a core set of behaviors and practices consistently that other teams that are struggling or even average performing teams don't demonstrate. So we call these practices the seven elements of a high performance team. And I'm going to walk you through each of these seven at a high level. That will give you your first step. When you understand these seven elements, you'll have a very clear picture of not only what an exceptional team looks like, but you'll also have a clear picture of where your team's real strengths lie and where their biggest opportunities for improvement are so that you and your team can get fanatically focused on leveraging your strengths and addressing your opportunities. And getting fanatically focused is actually the second step. 
And so as you listen to each of these seven elements, I'd like you to think about your team and to ask yourself, how does your team demonstrate each element? And at the end of each element, I'm going to ask you just to reflect on your team and to rate your team on a scale of one to five. Five being my team demonstrates this element every day to the best of our abilities. And one being this doesn't show up in our team at all. All right. So let's start with the first element. And the first element is is cohesiveness. And this is one of the most important elements of a high-performance team, especially now during a time when teams are feeling incredibly disjointed and disconnected. And when the cohesiveness element is strong, team members make music together, right? A cohesive group is like an orchestra. Each team member is working in the same spirit and playing the same symphony, but each is contributing very uniquely and distinctively and separately. Each team member is very clear about the part of the school. Bring different skills, may use different tools and techniques, bring their own flair and their own personality. But at the same time, they are all in concert. Now, when I ask teams or team members to describe what an ideal team is, the most common response I hear is, oh, it's, it's cohesive. And when I dig a little deeper and ask, okay, well, what do you mean by cohesive? They usually respond with something like they stick together. They are bound together. People instinctively know that cohesiveness is an important team element, and they feel a deep loss when it isn't there. So take this pandemic, for example. A loss of cohesion has, was immediately felt and, and is still being felt by many teams as they were thrust from their workplaces. And it took quite a while for teams to rebuild their cohesion, right? They needed to figure out exactly how to work together in this new world, how to work remotely, how do we communicate, what are the best practices now? How do we build a sense of community when we're no longer at work together? And so the trick to sticking together, especially during complex and uncertain times, is ensuring the right ingredients are in place to create the glue that will bind the team members through the ups and downs that they will undoubtedly face. And this recipe for team glue includes agreement on where the team is going. So being very clear on the team's goals and objectives and ensuring everybody is connected to them and striving for them. And the second ingredient is agreement on how the team will get there. There needs to be just as much agreement and connection to the team's values, the team's priorities, roles, responsibilities, best practices. When a team lacks cohesion, they make poor decisions. They waste time and energy and resources on tasks and initiatives that just won't lead them to their goals. At the end of the day, Cohesiveness is all about your team pulling in the same direction towards a common goal. And so my question for you now that I'd like you to reflect on is, on a scale of one to five, how cohesive is your team? Okay. Now, the second element is the team climate element. So I'd like you to consider this question. On a scale of one to 10 this time, 
one being low and 10 being high, how eager are you to get to work in the morning? How eager are you to connect with your team members? How eager are you to collaborate and generate ideas with your team members? How eager are you to participate in your team meetings, right? And make decisions together. If you and most of your team members respond with a high rating, the team climate is sure to be warm. The team feels like home, where team members don't have to keep up their guard, right? It's a stimulating environment, whether in person or via Zoom, in which your team members can learn with and from one another and contribute productively. It is a team people want to be a part of. If the rating is low, it does not feel good to be a part of that team. And that's when engagement is truly hampered. And there's an incredible amount of research that confirms a healthy team climate leads to, we all know this, it leads to higher job satisfaction, higher engagement, lower turnover, and very importantly, a healthier workforce, both physically and mentally. Now, although climate is often considered you know, a soft issue, it is actually the foundation of a high-performance team. So what you're going to learn as we go through these seven elements, all of these elements are highly interrelated, right? The strength of one is going to affect the strength of another, and the weakness of one affects the weakness of another. Your team cannot begin to strengthen its effectiveness if it doesn't have a healthy climate. So this is the place to start, right? A healthy climate is one in which people feel psychologically safe. They feel free to be themselves, to speak up, to ask questions, to productively challenge the status quo. A team's climate is shaped by the level of trust and respect within the team. And when trust is lacking, renewed trust doesn't just happen. We must give trust in order to receive it. But trusting requires risk-taking. And as Shakespeare would have said, there's the rub, right? What's the risk? What's the risk if we are to bring a mistake to someone's attention? What's the risk if we admit to not knowing something? What is the risk if we voice disagreement? What's the risk if we share what we are really thinking? What's the risk if we reach out to someone with whom we have had conflict? The perceived risks can range from damage to one's pride, right, to being seen as potentially a non-team player or to being ostracized from a quote-unquote power group or a clique, and being seen as lacking skills to fear of jeopardizing one's position to fear of repercussion. And the thing is, is that when the team is unhealthy, when it's an unhealthy climate, the risk is not only perceived to be high, it is high. Because in unhealthy climates, team members are more likely to look for opportunities to find fault with one another. Whereas in a healthy climate, people assume positive intent with one another. So in a healthy climate, the risks are low. The risks of speaking up are low, if at all. It's the opposite. People are encouraged to do those things. It is not a risky environment to be oneself and to bring your best self in a healthy climate. So signs that indicate a team's climate is unhealthy include a high degree of unproductive conflict, 
Remember, high-performance teams have conflict. They rock the boat. They challenge each other's ideas. They bring differing perspectives, but they do so with a foundation of trust and openness and respect for one another's ideas. And they feel free to do so because they trust in each other's intent, that the intent of rocking the boat, of challenging one another is for the betterment of the team, for the betterment of the organization, and to get to the best decision possible, right? Signs that the team is unhealthy in its climate include a lack of trust or respect for one another, low energy, low morale, and a hesitation to be open and honest. And so if climate is lacking, this is the place to start. And trust building starts with you, the leader. Trust building starts by applying some of the lessons that you're going to gain in the coming um, elements of a high performance team, okay, that we're going to be looking at after break in a minute. Trust building can also start by focusing on cohesion, reconnecting your team members to the purpose of your team, why they're proud to be a team, where they are going and how they can support each other to get there. You can renew trust by reconnecting team members to their true purpose on that team. But trust building is where we absolutely need to start if it's lacking. Now, when we come back from break, we're going to dive into the next element, which is all about change compatibility, which is one of the most essential elements right now next to your healthy climate. So we'll be right back in just a minute. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, Leading High Performance Teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit kand.co slash ecourse. That's promo code VA30. Would you like a complimentary strategy session with Leading on Purpose host Nicole Bendeley? Nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years. Nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs. Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. All right, welcome back. 
So before we jump into the next team fitness element, I thought it would be helpful for you to know you can get an overview of each of the seven elements um, that you can use and share with your team through our complimentary ebook. And you can download this ebook at team fitnesstool.com slash ebook. And that way you don't have to take voracious notes. You can sit back, listen, and reflect for the rest of this podcast. So you can get that book at teamfitnesstool.com slash ebook. All right. So let's jump into the next element, which is change compatibility. So I want to start by talking about change for a minute. Change, of course, involves moving from a current state to a new state. It requires letting go of the old and embracing the new. And letting go is easier than it seems, right? It is really comfortable in the status quo. Our comfort zone is nice and cozy and warm. The unknown can be quite terrifying for many of us. And so the thought of embracing the new can really trip people up and affect our ability as teams and as organizations to lead and execute against change as well as we need to. And while change is inevitable, we all know that, progress is optional. That's actually a Tony Robbins quote, one of my favorites. Change is inevitable. Progress is optional. Progress depends 100% on your team's ability to be open and responsive to change, regardless of whether they agree with it or not. Successful change is completely dependent upon your team's ability to be open and responsive to it. Change is dependent upon people. And a change-compatible team chooses to approach team to, to approach change, sorry, in an open and objective way. They openly discuss and share their fears and concerns, and then they choose to move forward productively to make the change work, regardless of whether they agree with the change or not. Now, there are three types of team responses to change that I've seen over my 20 years of working with teams. The first type of a response is a rigid response. This is a very emotional and vocal response where teams have a negative reaction to the change, and it results in them digging in their heels and actively trying to resist and prevent that change from happening. Then there's the second kind of response, which is a complacent response. And I call this response, I see this most often in in what I call change survivors, right, who have seen a ton of change come and go. And they think if they just perhaps put their head down and ignore the change, it will go away. Like all of the other fads they've seen come and go through their organization. And so while the complacent team doesn't actively rock the boat and vocally resist it, they actually pay lip service and say, yeah, yeah, we will support it. We'll support it. But their actions don't match their words. They don't put any urgency towards it or prioritize the change. And so the change falls flat because there's no action behind it. The third response is the change-compatible response. And the change-compatible team doesn't feel any less fear than the rigid response, doesn't have any fewer concerns about the change, and may not agree with it any more than a rigid or complacent team. 
The difference being is that the change compatible team does not allow their emotions to dictate how they show up. The rigid team, for example, drives to Pity City, sets up shop, and they focus only on why the the change is a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. Whereas the change compatible team drives to Pity City for a pity cup of coffee, and they talk about why the change might be a bad idea. They vent, they express their fears and their concerns openly and respectfully, and they talk through it. And then they drive home with the goal of making the change work and looking for ways to address concerns if they can. And so the goal is to create a change-compatible team, right? And so think about which response does your team demonstrate more often? Do they resist more often than not? Are they complacent more often than not? Or do they demonstrate a high degree of change compatibility and choose to approach change with an open mindset? So on a scale of one to five, five being highly change compatible and one being resistant to change, where does your team fall? So that's change compatibility. This next element is highly related to change compatibility. This fourth element is innovative thinking. High performance requires that team members actively search for new and better ways of doing things. High performance in teams requires that team members challenge the belief, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Or the belief that the way we've always done it is the way we should always do it. Innovative thinking isn't about reinventing the wheel or inventing something completely new. Innovative thinking in a team is about looking for and trying new ways of doing things for the purpose of achieving even better results and even simply for the purpose of learning, right? Innovative thinking thrives in a culture where learning is a priority and it's okay to make mistakes as long as we learn from them. And it requires challenging assumptions, Take Elon Musk, for example, you know, one of the most innovative people potentially of our time. And his secret sauce to success is challenging every assumption out there of what is and isn't possible. And it's interesting because over the past, I would say, you know, since the beginning of this year, even pre-COVID, I've noticed a shift in teams that I work with and develop. And there is a shift to really strengthening a team's ability to be innovative in their thinking because they know, high-performing teams know how critical it is to be nimble, right, and to adjust to be efficient, to continuously improve. And the only way to continuously improve is to challenge our thinking, to challenge the status quo, and to not assume the way we've always done it is the way we should always do it. And so when I work with teams to strengthen their innovative thinking, we always start by identifying Well, the why, why do you want to strengthen it, right? Because it's important to connect people and teams to the importance of of stretching themselves in a certain area. And then we dive into, all right, what are the assumptions that you hold 
about your team, about your team's culture and the way your organization works that impedes innovative thinking. And undoubtedly, there's always common assumptions that are, that cross all types of teams. So I want to share these assumptions with you so you can ask yourself, which of these are alive in my team that we need to start challenging? So one assumption is we don't have time to think outside of the box. Time is one of the biggest barriers, and people are not going to intentionally carve out time in team meetings to think outside the box, to explore differing ideas if it's not a priority. And so we found when innovative thinking has become a priority intentionally set in a team, they have time suddenly, magically to be innovative, okay? So it needs to be made a priority. Another assumption that's alive and well in teams is, oh, management will never go for new ideas, so why bother sharing any, right? Or the assumption, that's just not part of our culture. That's, not just, that's just not the way we do things around here. Ideas get shut down, so why bother? Or we're risk averse, so we can't be innovative. Or the belief that taking risks equals an increased risk of failure, and we cannot fail here. Mistakes are not allowed here, so we can't innovate, or it's not my job to be innovative, okay? These are the most common assumptions that I come across that are held, deeply held beliefs within teams that prevent teams from thinking critically, from being empowered to try new things and to learn from those new things. So thinking critically and challenging assumptions is what gives a high-performance team its edge. When innovative thinking isn't a strength, teams typically have a low or a lack of ownership in their work and in the team's forward movement and success. There's often a lack of flexibility and a real dependence on the status quo, which results in teams quickly falling behind in the face of disruption, like what we're seeing with COVID. So again, I ask you on a scale of one to five, how does your team rank with respect to their ability to think innovatively? One is that they don't do it at all. And five, you're masters at it. And it's a real strength for your team. So we have three elements left. The next element is shared leadership. Now, one of the greatest compliments you can give your staff is asking them for their opinion on an important matter. And when shared leadership is strong, you, the leader, do this regularly. In shared leadership, the leader taps into the wealth of knowledge and skills and experiences available in their team by regularly inviting input, asking questions, sharing decision-making, and enabling team members to solve problems on their own. And this results in an incredible sense of ownership and accountability for continuous improvement. And shared leadership directly impacts a team member's ability to think innovatively and and creatively and critically, right? Because innovation can only happen when we ask people for their ideas, when we create space for that, for differing opinions, Innovation can only happen when team members feel accountable to and responsible for continuous improvement. That happens in shared leadership. Shared leadership is weak when the leader practices the habit of what I call prescribing solutions. 
which I will admit is a very easy habit to fall into, and I fall into it myself. Prescribing solutions happens when right, you're, a team member comes to you with an issue, and instead of engaging in a dialogue and helping that team member to discover how to solve that for themselves, you have a knee-jerk reaction to either solve the problem for them, give them the solution, and tell them what to do, or say, hey, leave that with me, I'll deal with it. Right, And we, we prescribe solutions really for two reasons. A, we're out of time. We're already strapped for time and we think, oh, this is the easier way just to tell them what to do or for me to run with it. And B, what I see from leaders is this belief that it's my job. It's my job to fix things for my team. I'm the fixer. I'm supposed to solve issues. That's part of my role. And if I don't, then that makes me an ineffective or weak leader. When In actuality, the strength of leadership comes from helping others to discover their own solutions, to helping others to tap into their own experience and expertise and critical thinking. So when a team member comes to you, it's essential to first help them to uncover solutions for themselves. That's when innovative thinking happens. That's when accountability and empowerment happens and engagement happens. When team members are encouraged and enabled to tap into their own ideas and solutions for solving problems, as opposed to solely relying on you, their leader, to do so for them. When you engage in shared leadership, you're showing your team that you value their opinions, that you trust their ability to manage the situation themselves, and that you're committed to their growth, all of which build trust, respect, and a healthy climate. So shared leadership is a really great example of how these elements are interconnected. When shared leadership is strong, you strengthen trust and respect and innovative thinking as well. Now, the next element, well, actually, before I get to the next element, I want to ask you that question again. On a scale of one to five, and this is interesting because you're in a sense to a degree assessing your your leadership effectiveness. How strong is shared leadership within your team? Okay, on a scale of one to five. All right. Now, the next element is group work skills. And this is essential right now. Group work skills is all about the effectiveness of your meetings. The effectiveness of your meetings have a direct impact on the effectiveness of your team. And this is an area where I'm sure you and your team are struggling right now as many teams adjust to virtual meetings. Teams are experiencing digital fatigue and overwhelm. I mean, I can't tell you how tired I am of seeing myself on a Zoom meeting. I feel like I look at myself all day long. And when somebody says, hey, let's just have a quick chat over the phone, I am so relieved. So your team members are tired of of the digital experience and that's really affecting the effectiveness of meetings. People are longing for their in-person meetings. But it's an area that you just cannot afford to lose sight of, all right? Because meetings, whether virtual or otherwise, are where team members come together to share ideas, where your team members learn from each other, challenge each other, make decisions, and ensure alignment. Unproductive meetings lead to wasted time, miscommunication, poor decision-making, yada, 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 right? So... The question to ask yourself is, are my team members leaving meetings feeling their time was well well spent? 
Are my team members leading with a sense of accomplishment? Are my team members leaving knowing exactly what is expected of them? Knowing what's expected of their team members? Do they have a sense of the bigger picture? Do they feel connected to the bigger picture? Were the objectives of my meetings achieved today? Did we have time for dialogue and engagement? Was there engagement? Were people participating? There are a number of clues to tell you whether your meetings are effective or not. And if they're not, you can bet your team isn't as effective as they could be. Because the way in which communication happens, decisions happen, et cetera, have a direct effect on how your team members go out and execute against the job. So if your group work skills are not strong, I highly suggest that this is the place to start. Now, finally, the final element before we break, this is the seventh element, is team members' contribution, which at the end of the day really is all about the level of engagement within your team. Team members' contribution is the degree to which your individual team members take initiative. They proactively look for ways to move the team forward, to go above and beyond their job description as opposed to doing the bare minimum, right? A fully contributing team member appreciates and supports their colleagues. They wear the team hat and not their individual hat, right? They look for what's best for the team and the organization and those that they serve. They take the initiative. They don't wait to be told. They don't wait for um, specific direction. They ask for it. They speak up. They ask questions. They share ideas and they offer support. Okay, so think about all of your team members. How proactive are they? Are they engaged? What does your engagement survey tell you? Right? You will have lower team member contribution when the health of your climate is low. Right? When people, when the team isn't cohesive, when people aren't connected to where they're going and don't feel a sense of purpose. So all of these seven elements highly are interconnected and affect the strength of one another. And so on a scale of one to five, how strong is your team member's contribution? Now, after break, we're going to recap these seven elements and then move into your final two steps. So congratulations, you just finished the first step. You have a clear understanding, I hope, of the seven elements of a high-performance team. So we'll be right back after break and continue with the next two steps. Stay tuned. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Would you like a complimentary strategy session with Leading on Purpose host Nicole Bendeley? Nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years. Nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs. Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy. 
Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, leading high-performance teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit kand.co slash ecourse. That's promo code VA30. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. All right, welcome back. So, you now have a high-level understanding of what a high-performance team looks like. We just went through the seven elements, cohesiveness, Climate, change compatibility, innovative thinking, shared leadership, group work skills, and team members' contribution. And you can get a complete overview of those with our ebook, right? So don't forget to go to teamfitnesstool.com slash ebook and download that so you can share it with your team. Because that's the second step is connecting your team to these seven elements so that your team can get fanatically focused. The second step is all about getting fanatically focused on team effectiveness. Now, one of the reasons for creating awareness around these seven areas isn't to say to you, as a leader, your team needs to be perfect in all of these seven areas. That's not it at all. This framework, the team fitness framework of these seven elements of a high-performance team It's just that. It's to give you and your team a framework so that first you have awareness of what you're striving for, right? What are those non-negotiable behaviors that should ideally show up that we should be striving for, that we can measure ourselves against and create a dialogue around? B, this framework of the seven elements allows you to really identify where your team's strengths are and recognize them and celebrate them. See, it allows you to hone in on with your team at least one area where your team can focus on to improve. What's one of these seven elements that if we paid attention to it, we'd be an even better team than we already are? So this isn't meant to say you've got to be perfect in all seven areas. No, this is a tool to create awareness, to recognize, and then to take action from a continuous improvement perspective. So that's what this next step is all about. This next step is all about, like I said, getting your team fanatically focused on team development so that it becomes part of their processes, part of their everyday and not just a team building event. And so what I'm going to suggest is that you dedicate an upcoming team meeting to this next step of getting fanatically focused. And the purpose of this team meeting is to do just what I said a minute ago, which is to create that awareness, connect your team members to those seven elements, identify and celebrate strengths, 
identify opportunities for improvement, and then develop actions for addressing those opportunities for improvement. So let's walk through what this could look like together. So I suggest sharing. You might want to even send out the ebook that you can download for free. You can have them listen to this podcast if you're doing so. Hi, team. Um, thanks for tuning in. Um, or you can simply speak to the seven elements at your next meeting. Whatever you choose, find a way to connect your team to these seven elements. And then spark a dialogue by asking questions. And one your first question can be as simple as, you know, how do these seven elements resonate with you? How do they relate to our team? And that question is a high enough level, open-ended, creates a safe question for people to engage in around the meaning behind the seven elements and how they relate to their team. And then you can move into drilling down a little bit more and focusing in on the strengths. And you can reconnect your team members to the seven elements and ask, okay, what are we already doing well? Which of these seven elements reflect our team's strengths? And spend time, gather that feedback from your team members. Really spend a good chunk of time in your team meeting recognizing your team's strengths. Do they have a strong climate? Are they noticing that they're cohesive? Are they proud of their innovation? Are they proud of how they've managed change over such a disruptive time? Take time to recognize and celebrate. Once you've done that genuinely, then you can ask, okay, which one of these seven elements reflect an opportunity, reflects an opportunity for improvement for us? If we were to focus on one element to strengthen, which element should that be? And have your team identify which element they believe they should focus on and why. And come to agreement on one place to start. This is about continuous improvement. This isn't about improving everything at once. This is about taking small steps every day to become even better. And so choose one area to focus on. Then... Let's say they choose group work skills. That's often a place where people start. If climate is already strong, especially now, people are often choosing to either focus on cohesiveness, group work skills, um, or maybe even innovative thinking. So let's say your team decides, you know what, we really need to improve our meetings right now. So then the question would be, okay, what do we need to start doing differently in order to strengthen our group work skills? And you simply ask that question and allow people to share their thoughts, what they think they need to do to improve their group work skills. Or maybe it's innovative thinking. What do we need to do better or differently to strengthen our innovative thinking? Okay. This isn't about being punitive. This isn't about pointing out fault. This is about being even better than your team already is. And so as an example, um, I led a session like this with a team not too long ago where they identified they wanted to improve their group work skills. And so the question was, okay, what do we need to do differently in order to strengthen our meetings? And here's what they came up with. They said, we need to dedicate 15 minutes to sharing best practices once a month at our team meeting. 
because they identified that they were just downloading to-do lists and providing updates and there was no sharing and learning from each other. Then they said, we need to also take time to explore ideas in our meetings. So they realized that they weren't carving out time for innovative thinking and that was essential. They also identified we need to assume positive intent when challenging each other's ideas And we need to arrive prepared to participate in our meetings because they noticed that participation was waning. So they identified, you know, four things that the team will commit to do going forward to strengthen the effectiveness of their meetings. Now, if your team chooses to strengthen group work skills, for example, your team will likely have different practices that they commit to demonstrating to strengthen it because your team is different. The, the key here is to ask the question, what do we need to do differently to strengthen this element, capture ideas, and then narrow the ideas down. You don't want to have a list of 20 things. Your team isn't going to live by 20 different things they need to do. That's just not realistic. Get to four or five things that the team can commit to doing differently. And, and that's, that's the second step. Connecting people to the seven elements, celebrating strengths, identifying one opportunity for improvement, and then identifying commitments to action. What will the team do differently going forward to strengthen it? And then ask, all right, how are we going to hold ourselves accountable to living up to these agreements? And have your team identify how to hold each other accountable to these new agreements. And that's the next step. Step three is maintaining momentum and accountability to the changes in behavior and practices your team has identified, right? Because coming up with commitments to action once and never revisiting them again won't produce any positive change. In fact, again, right, like the yo-yo effect, it will only lead to frustration and a lack of trust in the continuous improvement process. So to maintain momentum and accountability, first of all, you want to ask your team how to do it, and they'll have some fabulous ideas. If they don't come up with this idea, I suggest that you implement it, which is dedicating at least 20 minutes to a monthly team meeting where you check in on the commitments to action that they made in the get fanatically focused piece, right? And you can dedicate 20 minutes once a month by going back to your list of commitments and say, okay, what have we lived up to? What are we doing really well? We said we'd do these four things. What are you noticing that we're doing really well? What are we not living up to, right? What might have fallen off our radar that we need to recommit to? So again, start by focusing on strengths, then move to what are we not doing as well as we should and what might be getting in our way, right? This will help your team stay focused on what they agreed to do. And those commitments to action that they identified are all about improving how the team works together. This is what I mean by embedding team development in everyday work. You embed team development in everyday work by creating a dialogue around it, right? by highlighting what exceptional teamwork looks like, by having the team measure themselves against it, both their strengths and opportunities for improvement, identifying commitments to action, and then having a dialogue about those commitments to action and continuously striving for better. 
So once you strengthen group work skills, for, for example, in a few months, you can move to the next. Okay, what next are we going to improve upon? Should we focus on our change compatibility? So this seven elements gives you a framework for continuous improvement and for embedding team development into your every day. And this is something that you and your team can do together, right? Share the ownership of this. Once your team gets a sense of those seven elements, you can share the ownership, have a team member check in on maintaining momentum and the commitments to action, rotate the roles at your team meetings as far as who is going to lead the team development discussion, who's going to check in on our commitments to action. Team development is a shared responsibility and these seven elements and the framework give you a way to have safe dialogue around the behaviors and practices that have been proven to make a difference. And so I'm really excited for you to give this a go. And as a reminder, you can get your ebook, right, at teamfitnesstool.com slash ebook and share it with your team, have some great dialogue around it, and feel free to reach out to me. Um, through our website at kand.co slash strategy, you can book a complimentary strategy session with me. I am more than happy to walk through this with you, to strategize with you on how to support your team, on how to address any challenges that might be getting in their way. If you want to strengthen a certain element, I'd be happy to share some strategies with you on how to do so. I'm here to support you. Um, My mission is to support as many leaders and teams as I possibly can. So please feel free to reach out. I also want to point out that should you want to move um, to the next level of, of this team framework, you can use our team fitness assessment. That's a 35 question assessment that your team uses to assess themselves against each of those seven elements. So it gives them a safe, reliable, quantitative way of measuring the team's effectiveness. And then you can use the team fitness report to spark dialogue with your team. It's a phenomenal tool. You can check it out at teamfitnesstool.com. And while you're there, I encourage you to really sign up for our newsletter and um, get some free tips and tools. So remember, team development is a process. It's not an event. Team building doesn't work right? Improving team performance requires a developing and communicating a clear picture of what exceptional teamwork looks like, then intentionally carving out time to recognize team strengths, to discuss what the team must do differently to perform at their best, and to hold yourselves accountable to the commitments by keeping the dialogue around how can we work even better together alive. So with that, I thank you so much, and I look forward to our next episode next Monday. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Take good care. Thank you for joining us this week. Please tune in again for another edition of Leading on Purpose with your host, Nicole Bendeley, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a wonderful week.